0: Ladies and gentlemen, howdy do, howdy doody. <laughs> Tonight I want to talk about a, a book uh, that uh, is, is in possession of mine, and uh, I think it's a very important book because it, it opened a lot of things for me in um, in, in bringing out the uh, the truth. And uh, when I when I first saw the book in the store to be, to to buy. I was uh, I loved the title it just jumped out at me. I said, "Oh, I got to buy this," you know. And uh I mean, I had a, a tremendous amount of books previous uh in my collection, but this one just uh, struck an interest. I mean, uh when I brought it home, uh, of course, uh, I heard from uh my wife saying, "Oh, another book?" <laughs> you know. And uh you know, I, I, I've heard that many times. But why would you rather a guitar? Because
1: that can get a little pricey.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, the 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 results of, of reading this book and, and the amazing coverage uh, that this book uh, got from uh, other people that had read it uh, the it, it became a, a top ten in my collection. And I want to bring out uh, uh, an incident that happened uh, as a result of uh, owning this book and reading it and uh, using it for a a very curious... uh,
1: Well, as a resource, I
0: guess. A source of resource and and information, because I'm always interested in in wondering what the public uh, believes about this subject and, and whether they... They have an understanding of the complexity that, that, that's involved in trying to uh, understand it. <clears throat> so what, what, what happened to me uh, uh, a couple dozen years ago um, was when I had the book in my possession, and I was uh, carrying it around in my car and reading uh, page by page. And uh, it took a little while to read it because it's, 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 uh, it's a good size book. It's got a lot kind of pages. Kind of a dictionary. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very thick. And um, when I thumbed through it, I you know I was scoping a different chapters just before I started to uh, d- dive deep into reading. And I noticed there was a, a, a section in the back that had these uh, documents that had come to this uh, author's uh, possession. Uh, the author's name is Timothy Good. And the uh, information that he came across really intrigued me, especially <clears throat> when he um, when he uh, described the uh, the document, the Majestic 12 Eisenhower briefing document, I was uh, kind of like surprised at it. You know, I never saw anything like that. And it, it sort of uh, really... Grabbed my interest, and I, I, that was the first thing yeah, I read title, in the right. book.
1: The title grabbed your interest.
0: The, the, the title grabbed my interest, and yet when I saw the this uh, this document in the back of the book, I said, "Hmm." That was the first thing I read before I read the book. I, I you know, as usually you read the book and then you read the the things that are, you know, in the back of it. Right. But I, I read the the back part first, <laughs> and uh, it led me to be really amazed at uh, this information that was uh, in this book. And uh, the Majestic 12 briefing documents uh, since that time in the late 80s uh, have become highly, highly controversial in their uh, um, belief of whether they're real or they're fabricated and uh, with a uh, misinformation to, uh, to 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 make people think that there's a, a UFO story and there's really nothing to it. It was just, but actually, reading it, it it really tingled me because I had a lot of previous reading uh, that I, I put into this subject, and so when when this this came about, uh, this document of eight pages that uh, classified top secret and uh, similar to other leaked documents that have come out, you know, over the, uh, over the, uh, the decades, the decades have revealed uh, information that, you know, sometimes it's not supposed to get released. But in regard to this subject, this was very interesting because if this document is true, it is the most highly classified document outside of the Manhattan Project and that was the highest classified subject in the United States government in the forties, and uh, for this subject, it's like it triple joined,
1: lock box down, man.
0: Triple yeah, and uh, all, all the the secrecy procedures that were, were followed <laughs> during the Manhattan Project were transferred over to this subject in the compartmentalization of information, so that information would never be. Uh, completely understood because there would only be one piece. It's like having a puzzle and only having one piece of that puzzle. You're never going to know what the rest of the puzzle looks like. And there was a book written about that agency that we called the National Security Agency, and the name of that book is called The Puzzle Palace. Hmm. And I love that title, too, hmm. because that really shows a lot of- And what's um,
1: this title by Timothy Get?
0: This <laughs> title is called Above Top Secret and his follow-up book because of the success of this book was called beyond top secret. Hmm. And that was uh, also a, a large uh, volume book. Uh I uh I always go back to this first one because the uh, the above top secret title is is perfectly ap- applicable mm-hmm. to the subject that uh, I've created this podcast for. Right. And uh <clears throat> The, and beyond
1: top secret is like how how far does it go above? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
0: yeah how how far <laughs> does this uh, agency have uh, power to uh, control the policies in our government and worldwide? I mean, it, 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 if this is really uh, true, with the the arrival of these uh, creatures monitoring our uh, our lives. You know, and uh, picking people up and uh, giving them abductions. This is this is kind of uh, you know science fiction, uh, uh, scary movie. You know, and it uh, it doesn't uh, sound good for the public to hear this stuff. So. That's why the, the, you zipper up and don't talk. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> Zipper your mouth and uh, don't release information. You know, when the Roswell case uh, first uh, surfaced, um, I guess the government thought that they had the power to uh, close the uh, information up and then people would forget about it. But quite the contrary, uh, the more time went on, the more interest uh, – became uh, of whether this actually did happen did it did a did a flying saucer or whatever you want to call it a disc spaceship did it did something from outer space crash in the New Mexico desert in 1947 and uh, that's the case that uh, stands out amongst all the other cases there's a uh, and, and and Timothy good was involved
1: uh, shortly thereafter as a journalist i like, guess was, was he early on in this stuff like that
0: well his name doesn't surface as much mm-hmm. as you would imagine the, it, that he would be in it since 1948 or but something that's where like he started that started the book anyway I guess. yeah but that's that's where everything seems to have started in mm-hmm. the uh, the 40s so that's where his research uh, you know it reflects back earlier too, but it does focus mainly on the uh, and the beginning of it. these bad boys. Yes, the I'm holding the MJ12 document. Those are the briefing papers. Yes, I uh, I love the uh, reaction to uh, the book, and as I, as I was beginning to say uh, when I first uh, started talking, the uh, I had a job where I was uh, dealing with uh, customers, and uh, I used to uh, cut hair. I used to uh, have people sit in a chair, and I had this book on the on the uh, counter, and I deliberately put it there for uh, to bait people. I wanted to casually uh, bring up the subject. And just casually get a, 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 a an answer from a customer on on the subject and they would see the book and you know they would most of the time they would not notice it, but sometimes they did and they would say, "Oh yeah, I see you're reading a book on UFOs and once the people <laughs> uh, would hear what I had to say, they became a little interested and I highly recommended the book if they had a, a, a curiosity. And one of the people that uh, I had in my uh, chair was a school teacher. And this teacher had uh, a position at the Great Neck South in uh, Long Island. And uh, she invited me, uh, based on what she heard from me, uh, to speak at her class. And I was surprised that she offered me that. Uh, Opportunity, which I
1: and and you you were um, you had been really uh, kind of um, possessed by this book
0: a bit, like it really. It yeah, was, well, it, it was it, almost it,
1: like hearing Jimi Hendrix play guitar. Well, it, <laughs> it
0: confirmed everything um, in a uh, in one volume. I mean, okay. I I could have thrown all the books I had out on my <laughs> on my library uh, because this book covered almost every every subject, every uh, case. That was important. So um, that's why I put so much uh, precedence uh, setting uh, on this uh, this book. So, so when she invited me to uh, speak at her uh, class, I, I, I jumped at the opportunity. I said, oh, no, okay, I'll, I'll do that because I did that with uh, my son when he was young. <laughs> And, uh,
1: did he think it was cool or was he like?
0: Yeah, he, my, my son, uh, invited me to his, uh, school, uh, his, uh, what do you call, uh,
1: did he get teased later?
0: No, actually, the, all the they wanted me to come back. Ah. Hmm. But, uh, but when I went to the, uh, the Great Neck School, okay, the day I went, uh, the night before that I showed up at the school, the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind was on television, <laughs> which, yeah. which, which worked out to me perfect because when I got there, uh, she says, oh, um, I was telling the other teachers that uh, you were going to come, and they said, oh, bring them down to the auditorium. So that's what happened. And I walked into the auditorium, and the whole school was down there, uh, a large amount of students were there, uh, and the, ste- the teachers were there too. And I was very, uh, I was uh, very surprised. And uh, I had um, walked up to the uh, podium and uh, on the stage, and uh, I'm, I asked the, the crowd, "Had anybody seen the movie Close Encounters the previous night?" And mostly half of the people in the audience raised their hand, especially the teachers. So I used that opportunity to, uh, break into my, uh, my story of, uh, this, uh, topic. And, uh, it, it led to, uh, a good amount of time in the, uh, in the auditorium. I was there for uh, over an hour and, uh, I, uh, I had a lot of people asking questions and, uh, it was, it was quite an interesting day. I, uh, decided after that, that, uh. I would continue doing this, and I ventured to uh, contact different libraries to speak at, and I wound up uh, doing some lectures at uh, the at, in Roslyn. I did a lecture out in Riverhead. I did one in Long Beach, and in Port Washington, Long Island, I did one. So I enjoyed the uh, the first one because it gave me confidence that I could tell people about uh, a subject that's uh, very controversial and very uh, hard to uh, grasp. And why it became top secret uh, eventually drove me to want to uh,
1: it just, it to, to, to create
0: this to podcast. After I heard people uh, b- putting podcasts out on different topics, I said, well, I'm going to try to do mine. And my friend Rob Nolfi has... Been a great partner for me. He has dug up a lot of different uh, little pieces that we've injected into our uh, our, pod, our episodes. And uh,
1: I've got some semi-current events for you later. We uh, yeah.
0: w- we jump back and forth sometimes from uh, ancient astronauts to modern times, and and that's also important because there's an interconnection between the past and what we what we're dealing with now. Uh, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I've been uh, a big follower of the uh, Eric Von Daniken's uh, theory and uh, ever since I read his uh, his work.
1: Um, I have a question about Timothy Good's book. Mm-hmm. When <clears throat> when he was mentioning um, uh, about, I think it was in the Ford you showed me or something about the proof of the government's cover-up. Is this what he was talking about? The
0: special manual, or- oh, the SOM, yeah. Or was it? Were there other things? Like- well, the SOM manual uh, was not uh, mentioned in this book mm-hmm. because it hadn't been leaked at right. that time. Right, that came later. That, that came eighties, right? That no, that, no, that <laughs> came a little uh, later. I think it came in. Um, the early 90s. Oh, it was the 80s that this came out. Yeah, this came out around 84. I'm not sure the exact date. Uh, the date isn't so important. Uh, the facts of the documents are and uh, I, I can tell you with 100% accuracy that <laughs> this subject is what I say it is. It is M-A- above top secret. M-A-J-I-C. The selection of the word magic for the... Uh, the title of the uh, the group is very uh, significant,
1: and then David Copperfield came out after
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, The topic is uh, highly important to our our planet because we we narrowly think of what their agenda could be. You know, we 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 think in in, a, in terms of what we do. When we when we would travel someplace that we would we would be looking for some uh, some gold or we'd be looking for some minerals uh, to 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 help us survive and, and they and they could have that intention too for coming here they they could find our planet very interesting because it's chuck full of minerals it's got it's got life it's got food there's no gold left but there used to be sir yeah there's plenty of gold here. <laughs> It's up on Oak Island. The yeah. uh, the the, uh, the, cre- down, down on the creatures
1: that that, down that,
0: down that on are them. the creatures that are mentioned in the uh, Majestic Twelve uh, document uh, comprise a um, almost insect type of uh, biology. Uh, in the in the first or t- uh, second uh, pages of the majestic twelve uh, Eisenhower briefing paper, the uh, the reference to these creatures, there was a preliminary autopsy done, and uh, the, uh, the results indicated that the uh, the appearance of them have a, a, a human-like appearance, but their biological makeup is completely different than uh, Homo sapiens which leads to a uh, uh, a problem with uh, trying to uh, understand how we could uh, live with these creatures if they decided that they want to live here suppose that they're they're looking for another planet to move to because their planet has been uh, exhausted of minerals and uh, atmospheric uh, conditions, maybe they want to uh, migrate here. And uh, how are we going to deal with that? I mean, we got enough problems with our own borders uh, with uh, people coming through. Now we're going to have real aliens coming across. How, how are we going to? Are we going to process that? Are we going to start giving them a place to uh, hang out on the bus? You know, it's a, it's really a, an odd uh, predicament that uh, we humans are in right now. We're dealing with quite a handful of uh, problems. And uh, I find that the more I look back at the early days of this subject, I find the importance uh, sharper at that time. And today, there's so little information available because there's really no (laughs) discussion about it. It's all clammed up. I mean, I'm surprised that those pilots' reports got enough, uh, got all the coverage that it did. But
1: Well, I think it, you know, over the last, since the 40s, probably the America's belief in UFOs has consistently gone up. Oh, sure. And, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's enough scientists to to understand, you know, that there's endless possibilities in outer space. And then there are, there's no way to really rule it out. And Mm -hmm. I think in general, people, um, Maybe it was trivialized a lot in the forties and fifties and
0: sixties. Yeah. And the reason go, it goes hand in hand with the battle. I mean, we know it was, but I mean, I think that had an effect back yeah then. The trivialization of the subject was purposely done because we had battle fatigue. Uh, the, you know, the, the planet had suffered uh, through world war two and, uh, Battle fatigue is a, a thing that you know. You need a little rest after that, <laughs> and to be confronted with a new threat that was that had no agenda that we knew of, and you had to be classified. And you'd have to credit von, Dan- uh, von Daniken as well for heightening
1: the awareness, the- yeah, mm-hmm. and making it seem more plausible.
0: Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. Well. uh well, As a a hindsight, as a uh, reflection point, the the subject of ancient astronauts actually is what got me into the subject of UFOs. Uh, I originally read uh, Eric Von Daniken's book and was quite amazed at what the book presented to me. And uh, I I became fascinated with the subject, so I started acquiring other books that had the same theme that... uh, Mr. Von Daniken did uh, cover, and um, his book seemed to really consolidate the the subject differently, and he put more questions to uh, his theory than other writers did. So I uh, I followed his uh, theory, and I and I came to the conclusion that there, uh, from what I had heard a little bit uh, of the UFO stories, I said, "No, oh, I wonder if there's a connection between." stuff in the past and and these sightings that are going on as i be- i knew very little about this, the ufo subject in the in the early 70s so um i continued reading about the both subjects and i, I became quite convinced that there is something to it that there is a connection the difference was now that I've come to a conclusion that there were two different species involved in the, uh, in the visit, the visit in the past and the visit that we have now. The creatures that we're having to deal with today are quite different than the, the creatures that allegedly put us here. And
1: from each other when you think about what's going on in outer space right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I have a, a, a current event for you on that front. Mm-hmm. This is actually from
0: rusi.org, R-U-S-I.org. Yeah, this is in regard to the uh, satellites and the missiles uh, that we have in outer space.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of the trivialization, I think a, a lot of people laughed off the expansion of the Space Force. But it wasn't in keyword expansion because it's been existing for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it became more independent and, and, and grew, more yeah, funded mm-hmm. <laughs> with it, the black budget money. Mm-hmm. But we're not the only country
0: that has spending a spending money. For
1: us. Mm-hmm. The anti satellite test conducted by Russia on November 15th is the latest. And a string of anti-satellite capabilities showcased by great powers. It offers us a perspective of what the future of warfare looks like according to Russian military doctrine, and what role space plays in it. On Monday, November fifteenth, a direct ascent anti-satellite missile was launched from Plesetsk. I can't pronounce it. It's Plesetsk Cosmodrome in the northwest of Russia. Its target was Cosmos-1408, a defunct intelligence satellite originally launched in 1982. The resulting breakup of the two ton satellite led to more than 1,500 pieces of debris, according to U.S. Space Command. There are several reasons why space debris is concerning, because it can do, you know, it can have an impact when it strikes. I mean, you can just imagine, right? It's basically space pollution. <laughs> <laughs> garbage in space. I don't think I don't think it's gonna I don't think we're to a, a dangerous level yet, but um, they did launch a missile at a satellite and disintegrate the satellite. So nice little show of uh, armaments <laughs> in outer space, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. Space Command has repeatedly called out Russian behavior as irresponsible, stating that the tests are contrary to Russia's diplomatic and public stance against weaponization of space. And that kind of goes to what we've said before, right, privately, about how all the space programs seem to cooperate with each other, no matter what country. It kind of makes you wonder, what are these wars about then? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't
0: know there's a, a cooperation. more cooperation in space than there is uh, here on Earth. Well, we heard about like
1: uh, Russia using a hypersonic missile of their own. China recently testing a hypersonic missile that went completely around the Earth. That's not scary. Hmm. It's pretty good uh, another, a pretty good show of power. It seems like space might be the next battlefield if we're not careful. And that that just I don't I would like to take back that I even said that. <laughs> just, well, did just, you just,
0: did just, you recall uh, the statement that uh, uh, General Douglas MacArthur made? D- General Douglas MacArthur made a statement that the next war will be an interplanetary war with creatures from another planet, and he made that statement back in the forties. So he must have known something. Well, that's what he was <laughs> talking about. Russians. That's what we're trying to you know. If you
1: look at the media today, we're all supposed to hate Russia. I, I think we've been doing that my whole life, but we never went to war against each other.
0: But anyways. Yeah, well, so. because that, that's a great way to, to to camouflage the fact that we're preparing for alien fighting well, by, by throwing the, the, the controversy onto Russia. It that goes we're, back to the Reagan quote, which we played on right, the show exactly. a couple times. We, yeah, you, you wonder who, who's the enemy? We're we, are we using the enemy to be... The aliens, or or the alien, or the Moscow uh, regime, is, is the is the real threat. And
1: well, I got another one for you from the Washington Post. Now, this was just today. Mm-hmm. Space force down under, Australia partners with the Pentagon on space defense. Mm-hmm. Melbourne, Australia. Australia's military has lifted its gaze upward, as we tend to ask everyone to do. <laughs> with a new space command and a partnership with the Pentagon, a partnership. The move down under follows the establishment of the U.S. Space Force in 2019 under President Donald Trump. The military space activities were formerly under the remit of the Air Force. Australian Defense Minister Peter Dutton told an Australian Air Force Conference Tuesday, that's today, Defense Space Command was a step towards the nation's own Space Force which he said Australia would need in the future. Hmm. Here in the Indo-Pacific, many nations have been subjected to the different forms of Chinese government coercion over a sustained period, Dutton said. The Australian Defense Force and the U.S. National Reconnaissance Office, part of the Defense Department, have committed to cooperative satellite activities and would together contribute to the u.s pursuit of global coverage in intelligence missions i'm not sure that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> not,
0: not even sure that's a good thing everybody is uh <laughs> everybody's closing in on each every, position there huh? everybody's closing in on each other um ah,
1: what do you think about that
0: <laughs> back to my favorite book um if anyone uh cares to have a a, a good book to read uh For the summer, uh, when you go to the beach or something. Uh, I recommend this book. Uh, It may not be uh, available uh, easily in the bookstores, but you could probably order it on Amazon.com. The title, like I said before, is Above Top Secret, The Worldwide UFO Cover-Up by Timothy Good. And the publisher is uh, Quill? Quill. Quill, yes. Um, I
1: heard every one of their authors has to use one, too.
0: (laughs) The uh, the book is always used by a lot of uh, researchers that uh, refer back to the cases that are uh, that are around. Uh, yeah, you got a couple of things uh, you're going to share. I, there? I had a, a couple of uh, pictures that were interesting. I'll explain who's in the picture. Mm-hmm. We have a photograph in the in the photograph section of the book, which has a uh, a meeting at the uh, UN. Uh huh. And at this meeting is, is an interesting group of individuals. I'll bring their names out in a second. Um, this was in 1978. Mm-hmm. And the meeting was to discuss the need for UN support for UFO studies. UN support. The hmm. UFO United Nations support for UFO studies. Why would they have to be involved in a subject that allegedly uh, doesn't I, I, exist? I don't know. It seems yeah. like it's more behind it's, the scenes than out in the public uh, body yeah. like that.
1: That's the, more the
0: fact that this photo exists is quite interesting too, because in this photo is Gordon Cooper, who we all know he was an astronaut. Uh, Jacques Boulay, who's a famous UFO uh, writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jay Allen Hynek is mentioned in here. He was the consultant to the movie Close Encounters and the top, uh, the top uh, consultant for the United States Air Force under Project Blue Book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, right also, battery. Prime Minister Gerardi uh, Jur- Eric Gary was there. U.N. Secretary Kurt Waldheim was there. And in 1967, former UN Secretary Yu, General U Thant confided to friends that he considered UFOs to be the most important problem facing the United Nations, next to the war in Vietnam. Interesting. Hmm? Why would there Why would there be these meetings with, at the at the highest levels? <laughs> I, I find that kind of comical because you got one group saying, oh, there's nothing to this subject, and then you have all this information that, that contradicts <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. that I guess so the book has s- uh, several of these things, I take it. Well, it has so much evidence. Uh, I, you can call it circumstantial because, uh, I mean, I don't have any photos. Of, piles uh, upon piles. Pile, I mean, how many sightings do you need? How many cases do you need to, to, to assume that there's something actually going on here that that are that not being updated on mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that it all seems to stem from the, the 40s you, you seem to uh, overlook that there's a starting point for this uh, this story <laughs> the, the the case the Roswell case became the epic center of of uh, the, the cover up because the day after the or the day of the the uh, retrieval operation, the the cover up was already underway, and once the Pentagon got involved with this, uh, according to the information that uh, is available to anybody who wants to go after it, um, the um, the public was just left out of the loop, and uh, for good reasons, because if there were bodies. Removed and uh, studied. There must have been something quite extraordinary about this uh, autopsy. That was uh, (coughs) not just a regular autopsy.
1: Wait, is he talking about the
0: that one with the footage? Well, that's that's the contra the alien autopsy. That 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 still remains. uh, Is that the one you're talking about? There. Yes. Yes. He refers Uh, to it. Yeah, because they they're never going to say, "Oh, yes, that was real." Of course, they're going to say it's fake. So uh, even though it it looks like it's the real thing, the, the the U.S. authorities are not going to admit at all, especially that a that a creature was uh, retrieved uh, along with the uh, the craft itself, because that's the the craft retrieval uh, reality is is crazy enough without mentioning that there were creatures on board and that that had to be kept from the public at all costs and uh i think it led to an international uh, decision which uh created the uh the the, the uh, national security act mm-hmm. and that act involved um, other nations in on this planet which leads to the speech that President Ronald Reagan gave. And and that speech indicates a worldwide cooperation to deal with this subject. And he spoke about it in a very uh, open way where, when I first heard it, and I've repeated this on previous podcasts, I was amazed that he was even you know gonna say that <laughs> it was an right? it's an eye it was an eye opener because he was basically saying that the, that there is a threat and that there uh, we, uh, we wouldn't look at our own earthly problems uh, as the same we would want to unite and and fight something that was completely alien yeah and that space force was it, created it,
1: it was at the
0: United Nations. uh, I mean, wasn't it Ronald Reagan that wanted to create the uh, Strategic uh, Space Initiative, the SDI? Is that right? Yeah, the SDI was the laser-guided missile system that they wanted to put up in orbit that would take down, you know, missiles that would come in from outer space. All they were doing up there, or was it preparing for these creatures? You know? Yeah, who knows? Right? They're not going to tell us. I mean, although this subject has been classified for. Seventy years. Uh, seventy years in the lifetime of of creatures that may have a life form that gives them hundreds of years. Uh, you know, the seventy years that we're, we've been under well, I uh, there, observation.
1: I, I, I heard there's no there's no uh, fast food
0: restaurants. So. Yeah, they, they live on pure protein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, it, you, have to, you have to think out of the box when you, when you think about this subject because it's, it's bizarre enough that the U.S. Uh, authorities had to uh, keep this from the public. And the very f- people that, that were involved in the subject became a uh, little, uh, little wacky because they, uh, they had to curtail talking about this subject. And uh, the ones that knew the full reality of this subject um, had to be at the top of the political uh, intelligence uh, positions because uh, they knew that uh, if their uh, information was taken for real, uh, we would have a, a panicked public on our hands. And we would have to be, uh, if we were going to be prepared for this eventual reality, we have to be uh, prepped by uh, TV, movie, and books, which would lighten the load of uh, the shock of of the fact that we're not alone in, in the universe. And if these creatures came here because of our dealing in atomic power, somehow sent them uh, a message you know by detonating all these weapons during the uh the forties late thirties whenever that bomb first was uh, detonated uh it seemed to have uh shook the uh the solar system or maybe outside of the solar system well, in a I mean, way
1: if our if our uh rocket launchers can hit the moon and make it echo for eight hours right
0: and, uh, and our technology can detect uh, volcanic eruptions on on saturn or jupiter i mean can imagine a, a an evolutionary uh, intelligent society that, that that can travel from one solar system to another the, the, their their uh iq and their uh intelligence properties are just beyond comprehension i mean the uh, I'm a oh, doctor,
1: Bob, not a scientist.
0: Yeah, well, we don't we don't realize how how we're all going to wind up being uh, some kind of a scientist in the future because uh, the 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 cosmos is going to bring us to uh, a real new level of living because people are eventually another twenty years we're going to have people uh, crisscrossing the cosmos, going back and forth to to Mars, setting up. Uh, space stations out and uh, you know i mean it's going to be the way the way we're moving into space and the preparations that are going on with, with people like elon musk and uh, multi-billionaires that uh, occupy our planet they're, they're spending their money on earth things uh that are bound to be uh only uh, enjoyed by the wealthy because uh, us uh, us humans that don't have that kind of uh, funding could never afford to just uh take a vacation and go into outer space for for 15 seconds, you know. But some of these people do have that kind of money, and that that's opening the way of future space uh, travel. It's the beginning. It has to start somewhere.
1: No, oh, man, I mean, I, I, I'm just waiting where I can, like, get in the elevator and show up in a different, different atmosphere.
0: Oh, yeah, that's called teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> you were watching too much Star Trek, you know. I learned it as a kid. On yes. TV, stand in the teleporter. <laughs> you know, I have a I have a photo that I always look at. I keep it on my desk. It's a it's a photo of a spacecraft landing in a valley with a a species standing on a rock. It looking, looks, looks looking a over a ch- link
1: or something, right? Yeah,
0: he's looking over his shoulder and he's like, "What the heck is that thing coming down over there?" You know, hmm. and, and, or did and they
1: just drop him off,
0: right? Yeah, or or, or he's returning from. You know, he was there a while ago, and he's coming back to see how the species is developing. But that photo became interesting to me. I, I took it off of the cover of a book, and it, it's almost like a, a kind of picture that says a thousand words without <laughs> without really saying much. It's just the the looking at the photo and trying to look into it, look into the photo. What is it? What is it? What is it suggesting? You know, I mean. I have a book that uh, that came from and the book was, the title of that book is called Mankind Child of the Stars. Hmm. And the premise of that book is that our chromosomes and our DNA don't necessarily li- don't necessarily line up with the DNA of other creatures on this planet. It's, it suggests that we're we're from an out we're from an outside source we're
1: crossbred,
0: yes, crossbred, the mingling of ET and, and and that's a while back. That's an early mm-hmm. theory on. I mean, uh, well, we got the Neanderthals early and and the, <laughs> the and the, the um, Cro-Magnon man, and then we have the missing link.
1: No, I mean that book was written when. On, you know, the one suggesting about
0: the different species
1: that's going back a while.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, that was, uh, uh, the Mankind Child of the Stars book that came out during, uh, the time when Von Daniken's book had, had come out. Mm-hmm. In fact, Von Daniken 60s. wrote the forward for that book. And he recommended that that book to be read because he felt that, uh, it had a lot of, uh, uh, relevance to his theory, which seemed to indicate that, uh, all these uh, alleged gods in the past were actually space travelers and that, uh, you know, over time, like when you play that game called, uh, what was it called? Um, telephone. Yeah. Remember that old game you tell us, you whisper a story into someone's ear and that person relates that story to the person right next to you. (laughs) And it goes in a circle and by the time that story reaches your ear yeah. on the other side, it's, it's the story has changed a lot. But there's still parts of it that have the the, the original uh, format, and that's sort of what has happened to uh, humanity's uh, uh, journal, the journal of of humanity, which we 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 consider in today's world we call them scriptures, and in other societies in the uh, Middle East and uh, other parts of the world—they're—they're they're considered uh, important books because it, it explains the, the the country's evolution, you know, from India to Egypt to Greece, and uh, the, the the development of these societies indicate a continued presence of these. Um, E.T.s apparently, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to uh, understand how they inspired humanity to proceed forward is a is a lifelong uh, study. <laughs> and uh, believe me, um, it's quite amazing when you start to realize how fantastic are our archaeology is and uh, what, it, what it stands for and uh, different ex- explanations that have come up to explain the past. And now we've been able to use our technology to reevaluate those, those decisions that were made, and we find that uh, a lot of those, uh, those calls about uh, our evolutionary development were wrong. And uh, things that we, we thought were built recently were actually built more and more older. The more we, we, we study this, this fantastic past that Earth is uh, showing, all this uh, debris that's scattered all over the planet in different South America. Egypt and middle of the uh well, Shannon, of,
1: Shannon Lynn from the uh, podcast uh-huh. room said uh, the missing link is proof of some kind of divine intervention to your point mm-hmm. and um she always thought that Darwin was wrong <laughs> <laughs>
0: You yeah, know, you know divine, uh, the word. Know, do we? The, we, the word. a lot div- of
1: unexplained things on this earth, and there will continue to be a lot of unexplained things. This we're we're just the little ants crawling around on the surface. We haven't even started digging in.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, many of you who listen have seen the uh, the movie Independence Day, and if you uh, get a chance to rewatch it, it's uh it's got a very interesting opening. A uh, speech that's given by Morgan Freeman, and he uh, he speaks for a few minutes on the uh, beginning of the film as the opening, and it's quite amazing what he what he explains and how we we look at us we look at us us humans as a big deal, but up in the air, you know, we look like little micro ants. <laughs> that's right. You know, just buzzing around and you know all uh, eight billion of us you know we must look like a bunch of uh, mosquitoes running around on the planet so uh, it's it's quite interesting the way he he speaks uh about us us uh, humans being observed by an alien race as they fly over us you know and take us uh, into their uh vision you know uh, we think that oh wow we're so special they're here and they're going to come down and, and bring us cake and they're going to give us all the information on, 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 uh, on disease and everything. But no, that's not what's happening. They're keeping us under some type of under observation. Yeah. Or, or maybe flying
1: over the white house.
0: Yeah. I,
1: I heard they won't do that now though. Cause, cause yeah. it would, it would only be
0: on green screen. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, When they showed up over the White House back in the 50s, uh, that caused a big ruckus, and uh, they held the the largest press conference since World War II after that flyover. And it led to uh, the development of um, more procedures for uh, keeping this subject away from the public eye. And the SOM manual which uh, came out after the um eisenhower briefing document suggested the dates that were printed on the som manual indicated to myself and a lot of investigators that the uh the importance of that flyover in 52 was written in the som manual the um the implications of the flyover and what it meant to the majestic 12 group meant that something was was changing and this is before the first abduction was reported in 1961 so something was happening that was causing the government to really be more concerned that they were than they were in the 40s because now that now that these objects were Deliberately flying over the White House and showing themselves that uh, they're here, and uh, they did this several times. This was not a one-shot uh, flyover. I mean, this was uh, if you if you look at the uh, the event as it occurred in uh, 1952, um, this was something that uh, was not normal, and it caused. A lot of people to be uh, concerned, uh, what was going on. And like I said, the press conference that was held was done by a man by the name of John Stanford, General Stanford. And uh, there's a photo of him uh, speaking at uh, the press conference. And uh, standing next to him was an interesting fella. His name was General Ramy, And General Ramy was the uh, military officer with uh, Jesse Marcel holding the fake weather balloon hmm. in the photo op after the story <laughs> was broke. So I find it, you know, odd that General Ramey was at this press conference uh, in 52 uh, speaking about this uh, weather phenomenon that was reported over the White House and that it was... a uh, a misconstrued uh, radar uh, technical problem you know and all the bs that was given at that that press conference uh, it, it, it was really comical i thought that uh, they still are pushing this you know fake story that there's nothing to it it's a it's a uh, an atmospheric uh, problem and uh, don't worry about it but uh, it caused uh, a more uh, closer uh, concern of what the agenda of these creatures may may be. What are they up to? Why are they why are they flying over the White House? <laughs> you know, are they are they trying to show you that yeah we are here and uh, stop telling everybody I mean, that I, we're not I, here?
1: You would have to think that they don't need to do that.
0: <laughs> right? It's, it was for optics. Yes, and and it gave it gave the. Uh, The military concerned because they sent up interceptors from uh, the military base in Washington. And every time these jets came into the area, these objects disappeared off the scope. And then when the jets went back to their base, these objects reappeared. So they were playing like a cat and mouse thing going on. So uh, we took it serious. And uh, the Pentagon was very worried about it and uh, here we are in 2022 and here we're still trying to figure out if these objects are here and and the government still does not want to disclose this but i will on my podcast <laughs> so i will tell you that there is a lie going on and this lie is is getting a little played out and uh you know, you can only t- you can only tell people the so many times. You know, we're not we're not we're not stupid. We have our eyes, and we have we have uh, investigators looking into this subject. And we lost one last year, a very important one. His name was Stanton T. Friedman. He was a, a a true pioneer in the field. He was a nuclear physicist. He took an interest in the subject. He was. Uh, quite involved in the uh, Roswell uh, investigation and also in the documentation of the Majestic uh, 12 group. He spent many hours searching through libraries and uh, areas where he could find information that, that would bear, you know, some uh, fruit. And he uh, he turned up a couple of interesting uh, pages on besides the mj-12 uh, document that was being looked at came up with this uh during the during the study of uh the documents that were relevant to the majestic 12 he came up with this uh, search mm-hmm. uh, and he found this uh, memo and the memo was a mention of a of a change of a meeting and it became known as the the Cutler twining memo Hmm. and uh, I think that the reason that it 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 slipped through clearance because documents are released through a procedure when they when they find uh, something that's too classified uh, it's rejected from being released so Hmm. this particular memo slipped through because it was so vague only a person that knew what they were looking for would be able to detect it, because the the memo didn't mention anything about a uh, a flying saucer meeting, you know, or a UFO meeting, but it did indicate the the initials, the special study group, which was the cover name for the MJ twelve uh, group, <laughs> and it had the, the the date was changed and the. I have the copy of that that uh, memo. I'll read it to you maybe uh, tonight or another time. But uh, it's it's so interesting in that slippage connecting that that memo to the reality of a group that did exist really uh, showed the uh, the secrecy that was uh, going on with this subject because if the subject was considered fake then the person who's doing the clearance may not have the, the security level clearance to even know what he's looking for. You know, he may be told, you know, uh, anything that says Majestic 12, you, you pull it out. It's not to be released. But this document didn't say anything like that. It just mentions a, a change of a meeting. And, and the meeting involved people that were in the Majestic 12 group. And that's Hmm. that's quite interesting. But you you know, like I say, if you only have one piece of a puzzle, you never know what the rest of the puzzle looks like. But it's
1: evidence, no? Yeah, it's
0: circumstantial, but it all leads to the point. There's
1: the rest of it there somewhere.
0: There's a slick cover-up, and I tell people that all the time. It's not just a a big cover-up; it's a slick cover-up handled by the CIA. And the importance of the the military and CIA getting involved in this subject is quite astounding because you say, what, what, what's so crazy about this subject that, that the, all these, these agencies are concealing this information instead of just being open and, you know, you know uh, cl- uh, how do you say, uh, transparent? Uh, I don't see any transparency in this. <laughs> you know, and, and so we're left with uh, dealing with the, the facts as they drip out. And when those sightings came out uh, off the coast of California, I was quite surprised because the, the emotion that was uh recorded in those pilots seeing these these things captured on radar was quite it was quite amazing because it's hard for a pilot to uh you know fake a an, an enthusiastic moment you know the they fly airplanes with people in them and it's a very uh, uh, important uh, position to have. And so when they see something flying around that doesn't fit uh, and they get excited about it, it it's, it's very uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I found that uh, either that was released on purpose or by accident. And I still stand by those two statements because it, it's a great way of testing the public's reaction to these sightings being recorded and being talked about it just opens the subject again to the uh, discussion you know at, at the uh, local delicatessen you know in the morning <laughs> so this morning so this morning i had an interesting uh, uh, situation occur i have a, a, bu- a bunch of friends that uh, have coffee in the morning at the deli and they talk about all worldwide things you know and When I walked in one day and started talking about this subject, uh, I got, uh, you know, laughed at and they asking me uh, all kinds of silly questions. But eventually they started to take me for for serious. So I I brought in a a book one day to uh, have one of them read and he found it uh, very interesting. So I found that was that was good. That I was training somebody to understand something that they didn't understand before. You know, they're opening their eyes. And then today I walked in with this book uh, that I was speaking about earlier, the above top secret book. And one of the fellows that was sitting at the table said, "Oh, that's a nice size book. What do you got there?" So. The other fellow looks at it and says, Hey, what do you got there? You know, and they all start (laughs) taking their their phone out to take a picture of the book. And I said, Well, that's, I'm glad to see a little excitement amongst you guys. You're finally waking up. So I said, You may not be able to find this uh, so easy, but if you do, I highly recommend you read it, share it amongst your friends, and uh, get this, uh, start talking about it because it's one of the biggest topics in the world. Did you have one another thing you wanted to share in there? Uh, I have many things to share in here. Uh, the uh, you no know, memo. Yeah, the back of this book, uh, the Above Top Secret, has a lot of uh, different um, documents that that surfaced during uh, looking into this subject, and one of them uh, is a, uh, a memo from General George Marshall to President Roosevelt. Uh, giving details of the the sighting over la in 1942 where there were a bombardment of uh, anti-aircraft on these uh, objects that were being sighted off the coast of California and um, the results of those uh, those anti-aircraft uh, didn't get any uh, any, any uh, craft to come down. I mean, nothing was uh, was hit. So all the bombardment that, that went on for at least, what, 15, 15, 20 minutes, they were firing on this stuff, and they still couldn't get these uh, objects to, to come down. So something was flying up there that that was not normal. It wasn't uh, uh, any uh, Japanese aircraft or uh, enemy aircraft. And it led to uh, keeping a a close eye on what these things were, because we were seeing more and more of them after the uh, Hiroshima drop. Because as, as you well know from listening to this podcast, the Roswell case occurred all around the same location of the, uh, the planned drop of the atomic bomb. And uh, in the Roswell location, the uh, military had a base called the 509. This was the only atomic bomb group in the, in the world at the time. And the preparations for the, uh, the launch of the Enola Gay was about to take place, and the uh, bomb was ready, and um, all these sightings were occurring right around this area. It's quite Im- interesting when you pull the connection of the interest of these objects with our in preparing to drop an atomic bomb. You know, there there is something to be said about it. Uh, in the book, the Enola Gay. There's a description in one of the pages of uh, the, the 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 delivery of the uh, the bomb, and that uh, there's a mention that the objects there were objects of unknown following the Enola Gay. Yeah, weather balloons. Yeah, following the, the, the Some bomb. Some very uh,
1: fast and
0: hypersonic weather balloons. And these objects proceeded to stay in the drop zone after the bomb, or the, uh, the Enola Gay left the area. <sighs> so they absorbed the uh, the atomic blast or, or stayed in the area close enough to just watch what was going on. I mean, th- this is very interesting because uh, it really draws the the possibility that these objects have a deep concern over our use of atomic power. And in the movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still, there's a very interesting delivery from one of the uh, the missionaries from outer space where he delivers a speech and he announces that these weapons are causing a dilemma because they... Uh, <laughs> They interfere with their uh, with the with the, the lives, I guess, of, of uh, other creatures out there. This atomic uh, power does not seem to be uh, a stable. Uh, the splitting of the atom seems to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that's. Uh, I don't think stable goes in. It's that, not it, stable.
0: It, it's not considered. <laughs> <almost> <laughs> and stable. and we have so many atomic power plants all around our planet. You know, just think of if they start going off and they start malfunctioning. I mean, we had enough problems with the the, the China syndrome uh, and the uh, Three Mile Island. you know.
1: We've got enough problems with our politicians malfunctioning.
0: Yeah, I know. We got too many <laughs> I want a, I want a peaceful existence, you know, for my grandchildren. So uh, the, these weapons seem to violate uh, these uh, planetary rules. And uh, it's almost like in the in the, the TV series Star Trek where there's a, a committee of nine that patrols the uh, the cosmos and they and they seek to uh, bring peace to uh, and, and it's almost uh, there's a little bit of truth in that that there may be, maybe maybe uh, societies that develop technology eventually slide away from warfare and they live in you know, peace, and they try to contain uh, devilish uh, actions. You know, and uh, in the in the speech that's given in that movie, it's I, I've listened to it several times. It's kind of, kind of interesting. I- each thing that he says in there, uh, that he uh, he's here not to uh, to influence our daily lives, but to to tell us the importance of dealing with these, uh, these weapons that they, they're beyond, uh, use. And, uh, they've created a, a group of, uh, robots to patrol the, uh, cosmos. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's very, right. you know, it's like a story, but yet, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth in some of these stories. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I I can't uh, dismiss anything after after reading the uh, majestic twelve uh, briefing document. You know, I never thought that uh, our government would hide this information from us, but uh, there must be something uh, very dangerous about knowing it, and uh, that classification seems to c- continue, and. Um, I just hope that uh, we will see a a visit in an open way so we can get this uh, out of our our consciousness and not uh, be thinking, are we alone? Are we not alone? Is there anybody out there? Are we? Well, I got
1: the Reagan quote here. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world, and yet I ask you, is not an alien
0: force already among us? Now, at, at my my friend Rob is reading the Reagan speech that was performed at the, uh, I believe, at the United Nations. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a real th- spate. This is a real speech that was given mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I, I, I've i repeated it many, many times. I've let people hear it. And, and people that never heard it before are amazed. They, they say, wow.
1: You, well, have you, you, you have to go back to it a few times. Look, and the, the the end of this statement is, and yet I ask you, you know, that's what I finished with a second ago. And yet mm-hmm. I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? And then he says, what could be more alien to the universal aspirations of our people's than war and the threat of war.
0: Mm-hmm. Like why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. What 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 good comes out of it, you know? I uh, I find there's so many more interesting things to be uh, digging into rather than to, you know, fight fight wars because But yet
1: yet we're you know, in the, this same podcast today we talked about uh, the cooperation of countries when it comes to outer space.
0: Mm hmm so yeah, Are these
1: wars just fake wars?
0: Yeah, like wag the dog kind of wars, <laughs> you know. The just dog the, is wagging. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think. Well, they they make a lot of poop, so is that a poop has <laughs> got to be picked up, you know. <laughs> well, it depends where you live. Yeah,
1: in some in, in cities, usually you do have to pick up uh, pick that up. I hope we've picked up a couple of
0: customers tonight.
1: <laughs> a couple of followers, hopefully, guys. Y'all are the best, especially our lively, very knowledgeable uh, followers, and uh, especially those in, in the live Podbeam chat room. We appreciate a lot of our regulars that come through. Forsaken, Just Rob, Shannon, Code2319, Shane Kelly. Thank y'all for coming through. Chris Wilson and... Um, We'll see you next week. Rob, you have a good one, man. And, you know, take it easy on those guys at the deli. You know, it, it's going to take them a little bit. You know, once you figure out
0: it's not all conspiracy the theory. I don't want to shock them, you know. These yeah. these guys are old. I don't want to give them any uh, strokes, you know. <laughs> all right, guys.
1: Ciao. We'll see you next week.